0: Good evening and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Vlog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob?
1: Uh, not much. Hope everybody's doing okay tonight.
0: Yeah, hopefully they are. Um, as you can tell, I'm still a little stopped up, so I might let Rob do most of the questioning tonight. But as always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You get great Pale Fire beers all over Virginia and quite a few other places now. So look out for those and go by the taproom anytime. If you mention the podcast, you get a free pint glass. As we said last week, we don't want to overhype it, but we're getting a little closer to maybe having a second sponsor. And we're really excited about that and kind of actually starting to iron out some of the details today, Rob. So you'll be glad on this one, I think.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yeah,
0: so we'll see what happens. Um, Before we get to our guest, one of our all-time favorite guests and true friend of the pod, um, we real quick, just a couple notes from around JMU land. Uh, the softball team, Rob, you saw uh, three and two in the opening weekend. So sounds like it doesn't sound like much, but in softball, it's a big deal, especially when two of those wins come over Tennessee and Oregon.
1: Yeah, I believe they landed in the rankings today. Didn't they, they
0: did 14, 18, and 18 in all the different rankings um, around the country. I think people really took notice of that win over Tennessee, and I definitely think people took notice of Megan Good looking like making good back on the field again so that was really cool um, lacrosse bounced back from the opening loss to carolina with wins over virginia tech and uconn a game in which they opened the second half on a 10 goal run um that's usually, that's good that's usually a good yeah. thing yeah yeah not gonna lose many games that way um women's basketball still rolling along they uh, kind of had some dicey dicey wins this weekend but 12 and one in the caa and Looking good for call, all of Coach O'Regan's hopes. I think we Thanks saw.
1: He wins. Didn't they win by like 50 points? No, yeah,
0: exactly. No, I don't know if he was too happy about it. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Rob, men's basketball managed to win a game or two. Yeah, back to back. Back to back. Yeah, I, I thought next week we might even have to have a men's basketball show. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got an opportunity to really. Turn
1: some heads and knock off um, one or both of either Northeastern or Hofstra. That could be pretty exciting. Yeah,
0: they're actually one game out of avoiding Pillow Fight Friday at this point. Yeah, Incredible. After the, all, the, the Dean Keener round. That's the Dean Keener day at the CIA tournament. Yeah. yeah. So that would be really nice. The tournament is in DC this year, right, Rob?
1: No, no, no. it's down in uh, oh, it's Charleston. still in Charleston? Yeah. Okay. I think next year it's
0: up there. Oh, here next year up there. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, look at your dumb host. Um, but still, <laughs> it would be nice to avoid the Friday Dean Keener special. Um, but with all that said, we are so, as always, excited to welcome our buddy, Michael Evangelista. who's at Michael2Clutch on Twitter. Um, Mike, welcome to the show as our recruiting expert.
2: What's up, guys? I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 te- we got on Mike like um, two months ago about this, especially when all the coaching craziness was going on. Um,
2: yeah, that's one way to talk about it, right?
0: Right. Crazy. To- yeah. But for anybody that doesn't know, and I think everybody who listens to us regularly knows, um, Michael is one of the most plugged in recruiting experts anywhere. I know you were even on with Brian McLaughlin from Hero Sports on recruiting last year, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Got to talk pretty well. So we we got a fan question about how Mike got his uh, guru status uh, coming up later. But we got to start, Mike. um, You know, just, I guess, just generally, how excited are you about the class? Are you feeling pretty good about it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, the first thing you'll notice with this class, it, it's not a big class, but I think it's some, got some high quality athletes in it. I think when you look at it on paper, just some of the, obviously the good council kids look really good, but you see a lot of speed, you see a lot of athleticism, you see um, some length um, in in this team and sort of this group as well. So I think that's something to get excited for. If you're a JMU fan, some of these guys might even play a little bit early too. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> I'll let Rob ask the uh, WCIC question here.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, just let's start off with that, Michael. I think everybody's excited about the guys getting three guys from Good Counsel. They were – two of them were really on the radar for a while. The third one came <clears throat> a little bit more in the end. But that is, for people that don't know, um, Good Council plays in the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference, absolute powerhouse of the high school football conference, and a really great sign that Signetti or – you know, Houston developed the pipeline, yeah. but maybe this could get going. Can we talk about them like – how how big of a deal is it, or are people overhyping it just because it's three people from the same school, or is it really, you know, is it three guys that we all should be excited about individually?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's as big a deal as as people are talking about. I think the last time we got a uh, a player from sort of that conference was uh, Mitch Kirsch from St. John's, and he only ended up being what a three year starter,
0: two-time two All-American.
2: American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of a big deal, right? I think right. I think he's down in SMU right now, but. Um, it, it's good to know that we've got the three good council kids, but we also have the one D. N. from Gonzaga too. I think Gonzaga is also in that league. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are. And he he got a ton of Mac scholarships as well, so it's not like he's no slouch either. Mm-hmm. But I think the 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 three kids from good council are particularly interesting. Obviously, we've, we've known about Jalen Green, uh, the D. N. and and Julio Iml, and obviously the Latrell Palmer, the big back, came on late. Um, but I I think I think that's hopefully kind of solidifying a bit of a pipeline right in that conference. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we'll also see someone like a Jalen green who I think, and and this is sort of, you know, (laughs) crossing my fingers here, who knows what could happen in three or four years. Like, I think he could turn into like a Rondell Carter for us, right? Someone that could play inside, move Uh, outside. If need be, be sort of that every down sort of defensive end. mm -hmm. Um, And when I see someone like a, like a Julio IML, he's six foot two twenty, which means what he's like five, 10 and a half. Stephon Robertson looking like, like we're mm. I'm thinking that type of player yeah so, wow you know those are the type of kids that at the end of the day these are FCS prospects you know there's a reason why they're not going to the Alabamas of the world maybe they're an inch or too short they're running a 4-5 instead of a 4-3 but you see you see you see things like the instincts and the skills and all of that good stuff that come with it nice. um, same thing with Latrell Palmer like I feel like we got to steal with him because I think his junior year he had uh, an Achilles injury Mm. which you know Jamie fans know a little bit way too much about Martin Johnson yeah yeah. so I think someone like that at 511 230 sort of a late addition uh, maybe getting just getting to that 100 percent from his junior year you know we'll definitely pay dividends adding someone of that size you know maybe not next year but maybe the year after that for sure cool Is there a um, Mike? Is there a most exciting player in the
0: class for you personally, or just something about the class in general that's most exciting for you?
2: I think it's. I I really like the trio of running backs just because I I get excited watching all three of them in terms of their (laughs) different skill sets. Right. Uh You've got the Latrell Palmer at 230 pounds. You got CJ Jackson, which really reminds me of like John Miller 2.0, sort of that as Kurt Dudley likes to say, it, that satellite player where you don't know if he's going to be out. Is he going to be mm-hmm. lining up at running back? Is he going to line up at the slot? Is he going to get in that jet sweep? You know, he's fast. He's quick. He's got a bit of that twitch ability. Mm-hmm. Then you got like someone like an Austin Douglas from Georgia. Okay, we, we almost lost like last second. But when you put on that tape, he looks like a young, like Khalid Abdullah, like a one cut and go. would like to hear that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just like down the field, like he's listed at like 5'10", 190, which is, I think is what Khalid was when he first came out. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at, first off, he played in Georgia. Yep. Second off, when you watch that tape, you think of speed and just power and just one cut and go. He's very decisive with the ball, things that I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you got someone like Kurt Signetti, which he wants to lead the the entire country in rushing. Right. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes, especially with, with two scholarship backs coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those three definitely have me really excited about the class as a whole. Yeah, I think that's what Signetti said his first press conference, right? Is we got to yeah. go get some running backs. Yeah. Yep. So. B- besides also highlighting resources. Yeah.
0: There you go.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. On the flip side, are there any holes in the class or, or anything that gives you reason to be disappointed or concerned?
2: I was surprised that we didn't pick up maybe one or two, maybe just one more wide receiver. Okay. Uh, I, I think I can definitely see, obviously we've all sort of heard about some of the uh, players that are no longer with the program. So I think we've got some scholarship flexibility, whether we bring on an older kid from the FBS or some mm-hmm. junior college kids. But I definitely think wide receiver might be a position that they look at. Mm-hmm. Also on top of it, maybe an older defensive tackle. I know it's a, it's a little bit harder when you're, you know, if you're 6'1, 285, and you've got any bit of talent, an ACC school is going to try to get you. Right, or a yeah. Big Ten school is going to try to get you. Right. right. So I think uh, Mickey Matthews probably said it, you know, defensive linemen are, are, are what? They're not one in a dozen. Like you, they're very rare to find. So I mm-hmm. think we might pick up something like that. I'd love to see another defensive tackle come through also. Okay. Uh, and maybe even tight end. But I'm just speculating there just because I don't think we've, I don't know if we have a John Klusterman like player or a, a Mike Cosson on the team just yet. Okay. But we'll see where that kind of turns out, especially with – I know we've got Hunter Bullock coming in as an early enrollee. Okay. Hopefully he'll be able to, to pay dividends too. Nice. Yeah,
1: that's an interesting position because I think JMU fans have, are used to seeing, you know, guys really excel there the past couple of years, but – or in, in prior years, but the past couple of years really struggled to get any consistency of the position, not mm-hmm. because anybody wasn't good, but because nobody could stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like every two or three games we're running in a new tight end and trying to convince ourselves this guy was going to be the next Klusterman. But yeah. um, I don't know, just it's an interesting position because I'd imagine in this, you know, Signetti attack, tight end could be a, a nice little safety valve for everyone's quarterback job.
2: And we have to remind ourselves too, like Clue didn't really. I mean, he had some really good games before the playoffs in 2016, but
0: once, he was a late but, bloomer.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, once that first playoff game, he, I think he had a touchdown in every
0: every year, game that year. season. Yeah. Yeah. I think he only had, like, one or two before that, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, maybe he yeah. was that, like, secret weapon that we've been hiding all season, and they finally let him go.
0: Yeah. Yes. No, it's funny. And, I mean, obviously, then the next year we started, and we thought Carlton was going to be so great after the ECU start, and then he gets hurt. And yep. Yeah. Just since then, there's never been any consistency. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, Mike, while we're talking about the sort of the transition in Cignetti to Houston or Houston to Cignetti, you know, how many just how many people did did JMU lose from their sort of original verbal commits for whatever that means? And then, you know, did they lose anyone specifically to ECU? And how does that compare? I don't want to talk about the kids necessarily. Sure. I'm just thinking, like, how does that compare
2: to when Withers left for Texas State? Yeah, for sure. I think – when you look at it, three players, I believe, decommitted. Two of them end up signing with JMU. Oh, okay. And then and then one player, um, which I believe everyone knows who it is, yeah. end up signing it with ECU as well. Okay. So I think we, we lost um, that specific person. Ironic enough, when, when Withers left, we also lost uh, 804 defensive lineman, defensive player, whatever you want to call <laughs> it, to Texas State, uh, who I believe is a, a starter over there as well, too. So about the same, I know – a specific quarterback, Cole Johnson, took a had, had a late scholarship offer to Texas State, but then ended up staying, sticking with us. But <laughs> outside of that one player, I don't think we even lost anyone. We signed like 26 players that year, too. Yeah, yeah.
1: That was now That's different. 26 kids is a big class, and this was a little bit on the smaller side.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: remind us why that was. Was this just is the way it stacks up, or was there some something else at play?
2: At the end of the day, I don't think we lost that many seniors this year. Right. Next year, I think we can expect you know, 25, 26, 27 person recruiting class with some of the talent that we're losing. Mm-hmm. Maybe the year after sort of the same size as well. Okay. I think it's also important to note that unlike, you know, our friends in the West, North Dakota State, we also don't announce every single player because I think they brought on 30 players in their class this year. Okay. So you know that that includes walk-ons, preferred walk-in, walk-ons, mm-hmm. um, all of those types of folks too. So I think I think we'll definitely see <laughs> some other players come in also, mm-hmm. probably later in the game. Gotcha. Okay. So um,
0: can you just go through anybody else in the class that we haven't mentioned yet that you're kind of excited
2: about? I think the the I think he's listed as an athlete right now, but I believe he's going to play safety for us, Jordan White. Okay. From, um, I believe New Jersey is someone that I think excites me a lot. Someone mm-hmm. that can probably come in and play right away, whether it's on special teams, maybe even come in at safety and have a couple reps here and there. Because I know we lost Hayden Man, who transferred out mm-hmm. this past year, um, who's supposed to sort of play that free safety role that Jordan right. Brown had. And I think after that, you know, you've got someone like a Q Reed who played safety last year. He'll be a, a sophomore this year suddenly you're looking at some depth mm-hmm. and wondering who can really come in there. And Jordan white might be able to fill that role. You're looking at a very lanky, really good speed played in a really good league in Jersey. Okay. Had a lot of good attention from not just FCS schools, mm-hmm. which every FCS school offered him, but also the Mac schools. I think Kentucky actually even got in there as well from the sec. Oh, wow. So that's something really exciting. Cool. Um, on top of that too, I think Dorian Davis from, I believe North Carolina mm-hmm. is someone to be excited about also. He's a corner, so I think we'll see if he's going to play much next year. This right. Day, I think Jamie is still going to be stacked at corner for a while. Mm-hmm. But I, I had a good chance of meeting um, one of the head coach, head high school football coaches from Franklin, um, North Carolina, which is where Coach Houston is from. Mm-hmm. And he actually seen Dorian Davis play in person. He also saw Kendall Dean. Really had raving things to say about him. Said he was a big deal, hard to game plan for, long, lanky kid. If he was a little bit bigger, you know, he might be playing at a different school. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's exciting. Of, I think we, while we don't have the volume in this class, I think the mm-hmm. quality of the athletes really good there. Once again, long, athletic, speed. I think that's what you're getting this year in 2019.
1: Cool. That's great. Now we touched on transfers a little bit earlier. Do you have any insight into that? Like, do you think there's going to be a number of uh, big time players on the market? Or are we going to see this more as it typically happens with Jam it's kind of mm-hmm. after spring practices and guys? play their way off rosters on on FBS schools.
2: I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Usually when we hear things, it's probably around now where people are getting added on. And I'm sure we'll see a couple sprinkle in here and there, but I'm sure that Kurt Sagnetti is still sort of evaluating the personnel who's, who's on the roster. I know they had moved uh, Drew Painter from defensive tackle back to tight end, Mm -hmm. but they're already moving things around. So they're probably seeing who fits the role. I know the defensive coordinator, the guy from Maine, loves to play a lot of defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And in particular, just likes rotating players around. So he probably likes the top four or five, but do we have enough linemen to, to really facilitate that scheme? Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that to think about too. But as any first-year coach, he's gonna, I think he's going to evaluate. I'll definitely be at the spring game, and I think we'll see a lot of movement after that once people you know, start learning where they are in their FBS programs.
0: Nice. We'll be talking to you again after the spring game. (laughs) Um, On that note, is there anyone in this class you really think might contribute this year? I mean, the JMU is returning, depending on your metric, between 19 and 21 starters, right? Yep, exactly. I mean, so is is there anyone in this group that we expect to give? I mean, I think we only – what we see, one or two guys really contribute last year. Um, Do do we think anybody this year – has
2: a chance to step in right away and be a part of what we all hope will be a championship team. Yeah. this That's a tough one. Um, yeah. I don't think we're going to see someone just come in and be like a, I mean, I'm trying to think of like who are Who's somebody, really, yeah. Like that freshman wonder over the past couple of years. I, I think Jamie has had the privilege of not really having to rely on a freshman to have that type of impact. Right. But I can see someone like, you know, a Taurus Jones Making his way into the lineup at linebacker because you know Keyshawn Moore had left. Mm You know, I see Jalen Green getting a bit some snaps there because I imagine John Daca is going to be going into a starter role now.
0: Right, he has to. Yeah, yeah, he's not
2: going to come off the bench. Exactly, he has to. He's not coming off the bench anymore. And I see those type of players coming in, and I think, I think the the three running backs will all be fighting on who's not going to have to redshirt.
0: Yeah, that's true. I guess at least one of the running backs should get a real fair chance to play a good bit right Yep. yeah,
2: yeah. Exactly.
0: behind the guys we know are coming back so mm-hmm.
2: yeah and i think we, it's exciting to see what percy's gonna do because I, well, I can't wait to see percy start i think yeah. we've all been wanting him to get the bulk of the carries over the past couple years just because he's he's so talented right, right. And, and i'm excited to see what juan hamilton can do being healthy right he's, for he's sure. a smaller back we see some speed when he had that return against richmond but we don't really know what we have for them mm-hmm. so it'll be exciting and he got him.
1: another year didn't he did mm-hmm. he get a medical hardship waiver?
2: Yeah, he's got three years left now instead of two, I believe.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's exciting because he's somebody that I think every we all were excited about seeing come in, but really just didn't get any carries to speak of last year. Um, and we all saw what Percy can do. So, I think it's a good position for, for JNU, obviously.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. But,
1: all right, but, Michael, we we got to figure this out. Like, how did you become this recruiting guru? Is this <laughs> yeah. just a hobby? There's a lot of, like, <coughs> recruiting – recruiting dudes or gals on twitter um who clearly don't know what the hell they're talking about yes, you right. do know what you're talking about i mean like you you are informed you seem to be well connected you seem to understand how it all works and it's not just like you look back at your, your old high school and it's rivals or anything you seem to really understand jamie's recruiting footprints where they're drawing from where the talent is where these other guys aren't like how did you get into this and how do you keep track of it all
2: yeah and funny enough i I think it it did start with high school. I've yeah. (laughs) Because, like, I I remember, you know, I would be be going to class, and, you know, I was on – you know, I went to school in in Monticello High School in Charlottesville. We were pretty good my senior year. And I was thinking, man, some of the guys on the team could actually play D1 ball, and Mm -hmm. I I wasn't very good. And I would – you know, I was, like, playing around on the computer, and I noticed that Rivals had this website. And we had a couple of our guys listed on there. I had no idea what Rivals was. This is back when it looked very different from where it does now. It sure. took like 10 minutes for all of it to load. You can imagine what it would look like. <laughs> and so that's when I started getting plugged in. And I've always been a bit of like a, a personnel nerd. Like I knew where every you know, NFL <laughs> went to college. I knew the draft. I knew all of that stuff. Yeah. And then like, I think it was like 2012 or maybe summer of my junior year at JMU, that's the year when we signed guys like Justin Baker and Silas Adamola and you know all guys that no one else knows, but me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <then coughs> I remember it was like, man, like it's all going on this website. Nobody's really covering it. I think we had Matt Stoss at the time as our beat writer. Oh, yeah. And I think Twitter was just starting to get big and I would, and I just love just talking about these types of players and evaluating them and seeing what they're all about.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And I think, one thing snowballed from one another. After that, I started following some players. They started following me back. Next, you know, this is when the whole, I've got this offer from this school started being big and around 2012. <laughs> uh, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And I've just sort of made these different connections. I'm um, starting with you all yeah. uh, starting with, with all the other diehards and yeah. eventually making their way up to like Brian McLaughlin and yeah. everyone just it was interesting to see that people were really interested in this (laughs) yes well i love our little right our outside group for sure a group
0: of like eight or ten true diehard nerds even the diehard nerds when there's a recruiting question they're like mike what's the story here
2: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's awesome um and we're just glad you stuck with it. I, did, I thought you'd give it up after school, you know? Oh, <laughs> I mean, we found you right away and thought, this guy seems to know what's going on. Or everybody he talks about comes to JMU, you know?
2: And yeah. this stuff is just really interesting to me. Like, I'm always curious about, like, why coaches do what they do. And, and the reason why, like, I like college football is it's much more volatile than, like, the NFL. Like, I'm honestly, the yeah. NFL is great, but I, I don't keep up with it as much. Mm-hmm. But college football, it changes every year. Rosters turnover. You don't know who's going to come back. Right. You have to deal with graduation. It's just so volatile. You have to keep up with everything. Uh-huh. So same thing <laughs> with Jamie football, and it just yeah. kind of keeps me keeps things exciting for sure. Yeah, you're probably the only person that could tell
0: tell everyone the entire Stacy Padell recruiting side. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <right. Exactly. laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, did
1: you read? Did you read? I think we mentioned this before, Michael. No. But did you read that article on Sports Illustrated a couple weeks ago? about the number of offers each program's given out. Oh, they! I mean, it, it's astounding. I think it was like the, the top school this year gave out over like 400 scholarship offers.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. And
1: and I think the, the the lowest was like a Stanford and it still was like 80 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, there, there's got to be hundreds of people like you needed to all <laughs> that <this> stuff. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to think like what recruiting really looks like because at the end of the day, they're they're offering all these kids to see who comes back, and they've got everyone ranked. And it's interesting learning like how they actually get players to commit. Because it's like if they don't commit, maybe they'll they'll take the offer and go elsewhere. It's not yeah. like offers stick around forever, right? No, I think that's something I've learned a lot. It's not like you know the old college football games where you offer someone they always have an offer.
1: Uh-huh.
2: In real life, it works very differently. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah th- <laughs> very then very offer different. that day. But they don't accept that you've moved on, and you know, some six other people will get that off before somebody yeah. actually signs. I
2: think I think yeah. we saw that with uh, the late push there for that quarterback. So, I oh, yeah, we, we saw that happen yeah. in real life at JM. and then we've yeah, seen yeah. him
0: since then possibly get big upped by a transfer, I think, right? Yep, so yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, it's crazy,
1: just yeah. out of control.
0: So, we did have an overtime topic, Michael, that I feel like is near and dear to your heart. If you could stick with us for a second, huh? Uh, Yeah, of course. (laughs) um, Yeah, I think everybody who follows your Twitter knows um, there's not only a lot of football recruiting, there's a lot of uh, Filipino cooking excitement involved in in your Twitter, right?
2: Yep. There you (laughs) go. Yeah.
0: So I don't don't know who asked us today, but I'm gonna let you and Rob tell us uh, two or three dishes from your mom or your grandma that are your absolute top three things.
1: Well, I I feel like I need to get some caveats here. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean. I love both my grandmothers dearly, you know, with God rest their souls, but they were talking, there, there's a difference between coming like first generation from Ireland right. versus it's not exactly one of the great culinary traditions <laughs> of the globe. So, I mean, I, I don't have a ton to say. I, I can go on and on about many wonderful things about both my grandmothers, but um, <laughs> okay. that's why I didn't, put myself in the ca- I didn't
0: put myself in the category at all because I didn't want to have to... I didn't really want to have to give that caveat. So there you go. So we'll <laughs> let Mike take it away.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, you know, hopefully you know, people can understand what I'm saying here, but like, I think food is a huge piece of Filipino culture. And obviously I grew up around it. Uh, my mom's an amazing cook, Ooh. but I think my number one favorite dish, and if there's any Filipinos out there listening, you know what <laughs> it is. I'm going to try my best to pronounce it or say it slowly. It's oh. called uh, kare, kare, K-A-R-E-K-A-R-E. So, <laughs> I mean, you can cause you can say curry curry if you want. That's right. another pronunciation right. for it. But it's like this super savory um, meat dish with um, oxtail. So if you think about like you know s- uh, slow cooking oxtail, where it's like the meat's falling off the bone, with like this super creamy, rich peanut b- peanut butter based sauce with different like green beans and um, bok choy and like these different type of vegetables in it. Wow. My mom makes it probably twice a year and it's usually for my birthday and during Christmas. Okay. Uh, because if you ate it every day, you'll gain like 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah. um, just put that on top of like a ton of rice and I'm set. I could eat that every day. If it was so
1: good. You gotta get her to make it for Cole Johnson.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Put some weight on the menu for sure. Yeah. Um, That has to be number one. I I will will eat that nonstop. And Rob, did you want to jump in or do you want me to go straight to number two? I don't know. I mean, my mom is a good cook.
1: But again, my mom was more like there's no like cultural link to to our cooking path. It's just like my mom took courses and played recipes and stuff like that. But it's not like, oh, that's how grandma used to make boiled potatoes or whatever they made in Ireland. But every year for my birthday, my birthday's in the summer. My mom would make me gazpacho, which people thought was weird for a little kid. But I always loved it. That was like my big birthday treat. And I'm sure if we go back, it was just some like doctored up <laughs> canned tomatoes from some better house, better home and gardens thing. But um, I don't know. Just, it's very nostalgic for me. It's not like one of the mm. great things. Um, clearly, it's got nothing to do with Ireland, my, my heritage, but that was like my favorite summertime meal. And I always got it for my birthday.
2: Love that. Yeah. Yeah. So back to Mike here. <laughs> um, so this dish might not sound very like Filipino to you, but um, if you look it up, it looks very different. It's called nilaga. Mm-hmm. And nilaga is like this beef broth dish <laughs> with like cabbage and sometimes there's potatoes and like beans. And it's really good for like a day like today where it's super cold. We're about, it's about the snow and it's a really easy dish to make okay all filipino dishes are really easy to make Mm -hmm. it just requires a lot of ingredients to put it together okay (laughs) you know you got to chop the garlic you got to get the onions in there from a base perspective and you've got all these different ingredients but at the end of the day it's just like slow and low and just let it cook for a little bit and then once it's ready to go you just throw it on top of some rice but this is like the classic like beef broth super comforting warm you've got the potatoes in there you mix it with some rice and just eat in front of the tv kind of thing so those are my two biggest dishes
0: yeah you have Um, an honorable mention there too what's up you have an honorable mention as well
2: um i gotta think about this
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's good no those two are those are really solid so yeah
1: now what's uh, this is a question kind of just very local for those of us up here But what's up with the new um Filipino Sports Bar in Adams Morgan. Have you been to that place yet?
2: Um, I saw an article about it that I think it's it's going to be – I don't know if it's here yet, but it's an, it's sort of like coming into play next year. Okay. okay. Um, so I think that's going to make things really interesting. It, it's funny you bring that because now there's like two or three Filipino restaurants in like the D.C. area that are starting to get some notoriety. Okay. Um, I think it's slowly coming into – the scene right. right because traditionally like when you look when you think of filipino food you think of these like markets that have like a kitchen attached to it and they sell very yeah. like simple rustic food mm-hmm. which is what filipino food is but now you've got the purple well, bad pictures, saint that's bad, <laughs> bad saint that's getting like michelin star reviews right. only four people could sit in it <laughs> yeah. like, it's insane like i haven't even been there okay. because I, I just don't have the patience right <laughs> yeah. right um, yeah, it's really interesting to see where Filipino foods come because uh, you don't really see it uh, too often um, around. But I think it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream.
1: Well, it's now like the new It Cuisine, you know, like yeah. around here. And a lot of that is probably just due to Bad Saint since it became such, a, you know, the toughest table in town. Everybody's going crazy trying to come up with the next one. But
2: Yeah. Well, it literally oh. sits only five people. So you have to wait in line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you got to task grab at that. Pay somebody yep. to wait in line for you. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah. Well, I love this. This is we've
0: never. Uh, I did not ever think we would have a Filipino cooking segment on the podcast. So that is perfect. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Um, for your incredible expertise on the recruiting, we can't wait to share a few beverages and some good tailgate times with you again this year.
2: Yes. Um.
0: You will have can't to talk wait. to you again. I'm sure we will talk to you, online or off again after the spring game. Um. And when we're all getting excited and starting to kvetch about the quarterback controversy, mm. so yeah, we, oh. we this will be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all have that to look forward to. Right? Oh. I th- we have I twenty we were... twenty starters coming back, and the one we and one and there's only one position that anyone wants to talk about.
1: Right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I thought we were a QB controversy free podcast this year. I thought we'd sit, oh, this, sit out God. this discussion.
0: We're gonna try, but I don't know how oh. it's gonna go.
1: I know I it's going it's gonna be exhausting.
0: I know. But Mike, as always, we can't thank you enough. Um, We look forward to seeing you whenever we see you. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, and thanks to Pale Fire. Rob, I guess we'll talk men's basketball next week. Um, Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, and uh, I'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Yeah, thanks, Michael.
0: Thanks, guys. Go Dukes. (laughs) Live (sighs) from the fall
1: Texas,
2: right from the jump, yeah, you got my attention. you give me that stuff, and it's such a blessing, you
1: and I get the light, alone in this cafe